Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the host of the Sendcast. I'm also the Managing Director of B-Squared, a company who supports schools to show small steps of progress for pupils with SEMD. Each week on the podcast, we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs. Now, this is a special episode because it is our first birthday. We are a year old. I would like to thank everyone who has been involved with the Sendcast, all of our guests, our team who produce the podcast, manage the social media, and make this podcast happen. And finally, thank you to all of you, our listeners. In a year, we have had over 30,000 listeners, which is absolutely phenomenal. And all the feedback we have received has been amazing, and it's great seeing it being shared on social media. So thank you, everyone. Now, in this episode, my guest is Natalie Packer. Natalie joined me to talk about how to support NQTs to meet the needs of pupils with SEND. With very little initial teacher training around SEND, they have a lot to learn to support these pupils. Yet, they're going to be supporting pupils with SEND from their very first day of teaching. Schools need to provide support and training. Before we get started, do you know what we do at B-Squared? Have you even heard of B-Squared? B-Squared was started around 25 years ago by my mum. She always struggled to show progress for people with special needs, so she created something that would keep her going until someone else made something better. And 25 years later, she is still waiting. One of the ways we have supported schools is by launching the Virtual Send Conference in 2019. It is a way to access CPD around SEND that is more affordable and easier to access. It is a conference that you can access across the internet, but it's also a series of videos you can watch on demand whenever you need to, helping you support pupils with SEND. For more information, visit www.virtualsendconference.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access to our upcoming conference in May or when you buy access to our previous events. Now on with the podcast. In this week's podcast, we're talking about supporting NQTs to support pupils with SEND. Our guest is Natalie Packer, an independent education consultant specializing in SEND and school improvement. Natalie develops and delivers a wide range of training and support to schools, multi-academy trusts, and other organizations. She is a member of NASA's Not to 11 Advisory Group and also supports the whole school SEND review process. On top of this, and being a governor and a trustee, Natalie also has found some time to write some books, The Perfect Senko and The Teacher's Guide to SEN. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you. Initial teacher training around SEND is still limited. Sometimes there is none or it is optional. With currently around 15% of pupils having SEND, it's extremely likely that NQTs will have pupils in their class with SEND and they'll be required to not only support the child but also work in partnership with the family. This can be very challenging, so it's important schools have the right support and training available for NQTs. So where do schools start? Well, I think the, the, the starting point for, for schools is to identify for any, any NQTs that they've taken on, to identify where that NQT is in terms of their their own knowledge, understanding of SEND, and to identify any sort of particular gaps that can then be can be filled, certainly partly during that, that first year and certainly as part of their induction programme. And I think as you as you just mentioned, Dale, you know, the, the, there's a there's a real difference in terms of the the amount of SEND input 
that NQTs are likely to have had in their, you know, whatever initial teacher training route they, that they took. There was um, a, a report published by by Nason and Whole School Send and UCL last year, which looked at effective practice in terms of SEND within initial teacher training. And that report really highlighted the huge variation in terms of SEND content, depending on the particular ITT provider. Um, so, for example, you know, some, some covered much more in, in terms of SEND. They, they were very different in terms of the way that they actually delivered the, the content. Some of them had options to for, 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 the te- for the trainees to have placements at special schools or at mainstream schools with specialist resource provision. And where that was the case, NQT said that they felt much more confident in terms of their understanding and, and knowledge of how to support pupils with SEND. But it really, really did differ from, you know, from, from one place to the next. The, the DFE used to carry out an annual survey of, of NQTs and ask them about how well their initial teacher training prepared them for different aspects of, of the teaching role. So what they would do was to ask them to kind of rank which aspects of the role they felt really well prepared for and those aspects that they didn't feel as, as well prepared for. And the last survey that they did, which was in 2018, showed that the, the highest aspects, those that the areas that NQTs felt that they were really prepared for were things like planning lessons, managing behaviour and safeguarding. But when it came to those areas, areas that they ranked the lowest, one of those areas was SEND. So they said many of the, those NQTs said that they felt quite unprepared for supporting pupils with, with SEN. Interestingly, two of the other areas that were ranked quite low, low as well were effective deployment of support staff and then also communication with parents. And of course, both of those sort of two aspects kind of are, are, are really quite relevant when, we, when we're talking about pupils with SEN as well. So generally speaking... A lot of NQTs saying they don't necessarily feel hugely prepared to meet the needs of pupils with SEN. And of course, you know, there's so there's so much for it for trainees to cover when they're doing their initial teacher training. And there's so much to know and understand about SDN that it's impossible for them to, you know, ever really to cover as much as we would like them to do. So there's a real responsibility then on schools to continue to support NQTs to develop their knowledge and understanding and, and skills. And I think that I suppose the place to start is with the teacher standards, because obviously all, all our teachers are working towards those standards. And there's clearly that that, that big focus for, for NQTs on showing evidence towards meeting the standards as, as part of their, their initial year. Teacher standard number five is particularly relevant in in this context that's about adapting teaching to respond to strengths and needs of all pupils so it includes things like knowing how and when to differentiate and adapt teaching understanding factors that can inhibit pupils ability to learn understanding the needs of all pupils and using different teaching approaches to engage and support them so I think you know, from the school's perspective and the NQT's perspective, that the, the teacher standards is a is a good starting point. I just found it interesting in in the in the results of those surveys that teachers felt confident in that managing behaviour, but not confident around the SEND. And it's unpicking that behaviour 
might be linked to SEND. So it'd be interesting later on is actually how those two are linked. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, because sometimes you sit there and go, "Oh, when this happens, do this." And it's all quite assuming there are no problems. Everyone's quite happy that when this happens, is that sort of stuff. But actually, when you have a child who might be doing, they're not doing because they're naughty. It might be them stimming, or it might be them doing this, or they might not know how to. They're not coping with that situation, and that present as negative behaviour. But to understand it, you need to have that under the SEM. Yeah. And also to be able to, you know, as a, as a new teacher, you you might have you might feel com- quite confident in having a number of strategies that you can implement for supporting behaviour management. But actually, it's it's at, it is at that point where you come across a child that doesn't necessarily want to follow those strategies, and you perhaps have to be a, a lot more flexible in the way that you implement or approach those strategies, that's often when the when challenges can arise. Yeah. But that's inter- it's interesting that working with the families, that's yeah, it's a big that's quite an interesting one as well. I know um, the planning for people I know who've done teacher training, there's a lot of focus on planning and things like that. That those, those surveys reflect where that focus is put on. But I don't know how you can, without doing it during the placements, how you can help support teachers working with families. I think that it is it's one of those things that you you can't you can't ever expect to really get to grips with until you're actually doing it uh, you're you know on the on the job if you like I mean it is you know as part of your, your training you can you can be introduced to the principles so you know tra- trainee teachers can certainly be having those discussions around why it's important to develop effective relationships and communication with parents and of course that's with all parents but particularly the case when we're talking about ch- children with SEN so trainees can be introduced to some of those principles and the reasons why it's really important and you know perhaps to explore some of the strategies that can support the the development of that positive relationship but it's not until you you know you've you've got your own class and you're faced with your first parents evening that's quite you know quite often one of the most challenging things I was saying, I, I I remember a very long time ago, back to my NQT year, you know, that that was one of the for me, that was one of the things that I was most worried about was that initial parents parents' evening. But schools can schools can support their their NQTs with that once, you know, once they're in the school em- environment, whether that's as part of their initial training or, or when they become a, an NQT. So it might be, for example, that for their, for, you know, for their initial parents' evening, there might be perhaps a, another teacher or a member of the senior leadership team who perhaps supports that initial conversation. And similarly, when we're thinking about developing that communication with parents of children with SEND, it might be that if a teacher, if a teacher is concerned about a child and they want to have that conversation with a parent to raise some of those initial concerns, but they're worried about it, it might be that the SENCO does you know has that conversation alongside the teacher and they do that that jointly or the senko even models ha- how to go about having that conversation with the parent for the you know for for the nqt so there are definitely things that schools can do to support that process i think it's, it's um reading uh examples of difficult conversations or hearing the process and strategies is one thing being in one with your emotions and their emotions is a very, very different thing. Yes, it is. It is. And you'll never learn that until you yeah. start having them. But it's about it's about being prepared. It's kind of knowing how far you should go before you 
mm-hmm. refer yep. or gain get extra support. And I suppose that all comes down to that induction process that the school's given you. It does. Yes, it does. And that, you know, that induction process is, is something that schools should really consider very carefully in terms of what does our induction look like in relation to SEND, whether that's for an NQT or any any other new member of, of staff. But, you know, obviously we're particularly focusing on, on NQTs um, in this session. There's um, on my website, I've I've put a, an, an induction, a send induction checklist for schools that that you might find helpful. Just just to to give a bit of an indication of the sorts of things that I've included on on there. This is, a, as I say, a bit of a checklist really for schools to think about what do we need to include within that induction process. So it includes things like ensuring that the NQT has a a planned meeting with with the Senco and any other members of of, of the Sen team and doing that fairly early on uh, I know there are obviously lots of things that NQTs need to do fairly early on at the at, at the start but doing that as I say doing doing that fairly early on and perhaps even trying to to plan that conversation before the NQT starts so before the NQT act actually comes face to face with their class if, if you like because I think one of the really important things that that Senkos can do to help prepare NQTs is to give them all the relevant information that they need about the needs of the pupils in their class. And of course, you know, they it's easy for the Senko to sort of pass on any reports or to pass on the previous individual support plans for the for the NQT to read. But actually I think it's much more valuable if the Senko and the teacher sit down together and talk about each of you know each child talk about what their strengths are talk about their areas of need talk about the sorts of strategies that 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 work and it might be that the NQT has that conversation with with the previous teacher or teachers in the case of a of a secondary school because that you know that that teacher or those teachers will if they've taught the child for at least a year they will know that child well they can talk about this, you know well this this is something that I've tried with this child and it worked so you might want to try it this is something that definitely didn't work so you know stay away from stay away from using that strategy so that those early conversations and early meetings with senko other members of staff i think can can be really important in terms of the the sort of key systems and structures in terms of SEN across the school, it's useful for the NQT to be inducted into those processes. So, for example, you might want to suggest to the NQT that they have a look at the SEN information report, because actually that gives a, a really useful overview of what provision for send looks like in our school. So I, I always think, although that's not that, that's not the main reason for having an SEN in, information report, I actually think it's a really useful part of the induction process for any mem- new member of staff. It's also important that, that the NQTs are familiar with other relevant policies. So, for example, the supporting pupils with medical conditions policy and then any positive handling policies that are in place, particularly if they have a child in their class who may need positive handling. Um, that's obviously that's going to be really crucial that they've got a good understanding of the, of the procedures that are in place in, in the school. Going through things like the assess, plan, do, review process. So what does that look like in our school? If you have an initial concern about a child, this is what you need to do. In terms of our individual support plans, this is the process that we've got in place. 
this is when we meet with parents, this is when we review the plans, this is when we meet with parents again, and, and, and so on. These are the forms that we use for our individual support plans. And then any, any other school-based processes or procedures that, that, that are in place, um, going through those with the, with the teacher will be really helpful. So there are elements of the induction process that are about the whole school processes, first of all, and ensuring that NQTs are up to speed with those. And then there's the information about their pupils in, in their class. And as I said, having those early conversations will, will help providing the NQT with any key written information on, on, the, on the pupils. So again, giving them access to their previous individual support plans or their pupil profiles. Where, a, where if an NQT has a child in their class that has an education, health and care plan, then again, it can be helpful for the SENCO or another teacher to sit down and go possibly to go through that with the, with the NQT. Similarly, if there are lots of reports from external agencies, because quite often those sorts of reports have got so much information in them, sometimes they use technical jargon the teacher might not understand and actually for the for an NQT to sit down with a very large report from an educational psychologist and be able to go through it all and interpret it all and then think what does this actually mean for me and my teaching can be far too overwhelming for, for any teacher never mind an NQT so I just think it's really helpful you know to, to be saying to the NQT right these are the main this is a summary of the report this is what it means for you so these are the strategies that you need to try with this child, or these are the targets that we're all going to be working on with with, with the child. I think I think there needs to be sort of an element of handholding. They do, yeah, yeah. I think as you get experience. So um, I've read my nephew's educational or psychologist report. I answered yeah. one sentence. <laughs> the rest of it, I'm reading it, going, I've no idea. This means there's one bit. I went, cool. I get what he means on that. I can relate that to my nephew's autism. That was it. So as an NQT, with everything else going on, rather than just providing that information, it's you've got to be making sure they understanding of what that actually means to them. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the practical implications of you know of of, of what it means in terms of what they need to do in relation to their teaching and learning and their planning at, at that point in time. And it's and yes, it's great if you know if NQTs have, have got the the time and the headspace to you know to really get to understanding what an EP report all means and you know what it means if it says that this child happens to be on the fifth percentile you know it's great if they if they've got the opportunity they've got the headspace to go into detail and to to find out about that sort of information but many of them haven't because they've got so many other priorities to think about as well so it is it is often a case of right just just let's just focus on what this means for you and your teaching and learning at this point in time and sometimes um some schools advertise their role as we're looking for a year two teacher. And someone might be going, great, I know year two, I've got this year two, cool. I've done a practice on, I don't know, one of my placements was on year two. And they go in and then they've got a child working significantly below. They will need support on what the next steps looks like for that child, how that's being assessed, the whole, everything around that, the whole school, and what that means yeah. for that child. They can't just be expected, oh yeah, I can do it. They've not done this before that could be significantly low and they've got to look at what you're using within that school and bring it all together it's not an easy job it's it, it's not an easy job at all and and of course you know we every teacher 
in most years of their career are likely to come across a child who has particular needs that they may not have come across before or a child who has needs who you think oh yeah I've, I've I've touched a child with these similar needs before so I've you know I've got a few strategies up my sleeve actually that child responds in very different ways and the teacher has to think of different strategies to use anyway and as I say that's you know that's the case for for all teachers so can be particularly tricky for uh for, for NQTs. So there's, a, there's so much for, for a poor NQT going into a school there's the everything they've learned they've got to put into practice there's learning each school's unique way of doing things because there's so much autonomy these days every school is going to be more different than it used to. Years ago, there was more consistency across schools in how things were doing with the local authority. Now each school is free how to assess how they want and do this. How they, There's a lot more choice. There's a lot more actually for an NQT coming into a school or any teacher going to a new school to pick up and learn. Certain things are quite consistent, but curriculums, assessments, all that lot, there is there's a lot of information to absorb. A lot of it should be on the website so they can absorb it, but there's a lot to do. So one of the things that well, uh, school I was at at Governor is NQTs have their mentors, don't they? They do, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's important that there's a good relationship between the mentor mm-hmm. and the NQT and also that the uh, mentor is fully understanding of all the uh, SEND areas as well. So they can lead by example. Yes, absolutely. So the school needs the school needs to have a whole school approach <laughs> for a start for that for, for that to happen. Yeah, because <laughs> some, sometimes and you see you see it sometimes. Um, you generally you go into a job and you look what everyone else is doing and you pick up what they're doing. So you've got to make sure that whole school approach is the right approach that everyone should be doing. Yeah, and I think that you know there was there's a whole there's a whole other discussion to be had there, isn't there on the um, <laughs> on, on the whole. And as but as a, as a mentor, I think the, one of the most important things is, is actually that you're modelling that high quality teaching for you know for for the NQT because that's that that that's the that's the starting point and and I think that's really where we need to be sort of focusing our our time in a sense to be really supporting NQTs to develop that high quality teaching in the first place because it you know if if they can get that right. If the if the quality of the teaching generally is good in the class, then it's going to be benefiting most of the of the pupils anyway. And and we know um, from lots of research out there that you know high quality teaching can have the most significant impact on some of our most vulnerable learners, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. So I think that that focus on supporting high quality teaching. So for example. If they, you know, that the mentor might be carrying out an observation on, on the NQT um, and from that observation, they perhaps going to identify um, a number of things that, that, that the NQT did really well in that in that observation, but then also identify sort of some next steps and, and targets. Um, and it might be that one of those next steps where it's appropriate is specifically focused on the provision that the teacher is is putting in in place for a child with SEN, for example. So it might be very, very specific target around an individual child. So perhaps, you know, the mentor observed that there was a child in the class who wasn't engaging. 
very well in the lesson. That might be um, a child who's got really needs around processing. And so the, the mentor might be suggesting a couple of strategies that the NQT could put in place to support that child to stay on task and to stay engaged. And then the mentor can then follow that up in the next observation and, and, and see how it's going. So, so SEN is, if, in a sense, one just one part of the bigger picture for the, you know, for the mentor to be focusing on, but can be absolutely appropriate uh, in, you know, in, uh, for, for some teachers. So is there guidance on who should be a mentor for NQTs? So in my, just two interesting experiences. So uh, the school I was a governor at, the, it was a small one-form entry and the senior leader, which sounds like a sensible thing, senior leader being the mentor. They've got a lot of experience, leader. They've done, they've done lots of things. They've got all the right skills. But the problem is they weren't always available to the mentoring. Because they had so many other roles, actually, the mentoring became the least important because various other things coming up. So the mentoring, so we, we had the staff who were mentored at that time, didn't feel that mm. supported. They then changed it to somebody who was an NQT two years earlier, I think maybe, maybe their third year or maybe fourth year of teaching, and they became the mentor because they could actually walk through. They were still remembering their NQT year. So for them, it was really nice that they could actually sit there and go, yeah, that bit, all that worry, yeah, don't worry about that bit. That's quite easy. You'll have that. But actually, this is where you need to, it was able to help them based on their, reflect on their own practice and what they've learned over the last few years to help um, support the NQT. And I think that worked really well in that school. Yeah, no, I think it, it does. It it, de- it depends on the um, on the school, doesn't it? And the, the context of the school and the staff within the in the school. And um it's that deciding who the who the mentor is going to be is going to need to the school going to need to take into consideration a number of factors like as you say if that you know if the person has got the, the time to com- to commit to properly doing the, the the mentoring process and and everything that goes with it in terms of the assessment for you know for the um for the teacher as as part of their you know as a statutory part of their NQT year but it does it part of it is also about the i suppose the personality of of the mentor as well is is that is that person an appropriate person in terms of the way that they might relate to somebody else and communicate with somebody else so that they're because i think the role of the mentor requires a bit of a balance between you know somebody who has got a, a, a good understanding of where the nqt is at so where you've got somebody who was was an NQT only three or four years ago, that understanding is likely still to be there. Um, but also somebody who is in a position, if you like, to be able to provide quite specific advice where that's needed. Because I think that that's the that's the thing with the the, the role of the mentor and where it differs, for example, with a with the role of a coach, because the coach is there to facilitate. The, the person that they're coaching almost to come up with their, their own ideas. A mentor's got a bit of a, of a slightly different role in that, yes, they, they will be facilitating the NQT to reflect on their own practice. But if there are specific areas that the NQT just doesn't have the experience or knowledge and understanding standing of, then the mentor needs to be in a position to be able to give that very specific advice. So it, it needs to be somebody who's kind of got that balance between the two yeah 
I think that is that difference between a mentor and the coach. Because as you started saying that, that, that uh, it's almost how you see them. And I go to when I was a governor, you're a critical friend. See, you want to be on a similar level. You don't want to be feel like you're being no. talked down to. You want to be supported. You've got it's almost that critical friend, but, it's, but actually, you do need to know the answers. You do need to be able to help them and know the information really well. Yes, you do. You do. So that is a big important aspect. Or to know who else to go to, if that you know, if you haven't, yes. if you haven't got the answers, because you can't be expected to know absolutely everything. <laughs> Especially not about SEN because there are yeah. so many aspects to know about. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, sometimes knowing if you don't know the answer, where to get mm-hmm. the answer from. So it's having that pool of resources, information, how to get support, advice, um, and, yeah, when to refer to the SENCO for that information as well. So we've covered induction process, which is probably a very, very long. So you, um, as Natalie said, she's got a, a send induction checklist, which we'll be putting in the show notes. That's probably going to be quite a long thing. And amongst every other induction, there's a lot of work for um, those NQTs to take on. They've got a lot of knowledge to develop around the code of practice, uh, understanding everyone's mm. role in the school. Yes, and, and, and that, you know, just linking that as well with the code of practice, you would, you would hope, you would hope that as a, um, as a minimum, that every NQT would have at least been introduced to the code of practice as part of their initial teacher training, because um, really it's it's a critical starting point, isn't it? And um, however, you can't necessarily always assume that 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 that's the case. So again, it might be that the the mentor or the senko or a, another member of the teaching staff in the school has that conversation or shares the the, the irrelevant documentation with um with the nqt so that, that they've got that good understanding of that really important aspect of the code of practice particularly chapter six which is all around what schools need to do um, i'm not suggesting for a minute that an nqt sits down and <laughs> reads the whole of the code of practice not at all what i'm suggesting um, is that the school somebody within the school supports the nqt to to know and understand the bits that are really important for them and that's about, first of all, that key message around every teacher is a teacher of SEND and that every teacher is responsible for and accountable for the progress that every child in their class makes, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. That's the first thing. The second thing is around high quality teaching, which is why I mentioned that before as a sort of priority, because Code of practice states high quality teaching is the starting point for meeting the needs of any child with or without SEN. Um, and then also, I would say the other thing that's really important about Chapter Six is the an understanding of the assess, plan, do, review process, and and, and how that sort of fits in, if you like, to, to to what we are all expected to do within school in terms of um, meeting the needs of meeting the needs of pupils with SEND. And then it's at that point where the school can then say, well, this is, ha- this is how we interpret the assess, plan, do review process in our school. This is what it looks like. This is our, you know, our annual timescale for reviews. This is how we develop individual plans. So that there's that link between this is the statutory guidance that we all have to follow and this is how we interpret it within our school. Um, it's often quite helpful as well for NQTs to to have an understanding of things like some of the main acronyms that we use in SEN because there are so many of them. So if as a school 
you are you are using the terminology of the four broad areas of need, for example, uh, within the code of practice. And so you're saying to an NQT, you have th- this particular child in your class and they have communication and interaction difficulties. Well, what does that actually mean? Because if you've not come across that term before, you know, you might not, you might not have a clue. And and not you know not assuming that teachers will necessarily know that because because they won't and, and as I say we you know we use so many acronyms in education generally but particularly within the world of SEN we use them all the time and I, I just think sometimes we, we need to be careful with you know with our with our with all of our teachers and with our parents as well that we're not using language that's just completely foreign to them. Similarly, I think the other thing that's quite helpful is is checking that NQTs understand if there are any external professionals that are coming into the school to assess or work with any of their children, just to make sure they understand why that person is there and and what they're doing. I remember not that long ago, actually, I was doing doing some observations in a a school as as part of an outstanding teaching program I was working with the school and I was in one class that the, the teacher was she wasn't an NQT she was in a second year of, of teaching and one particular day the Senko came in and basically just took a child out out of the room I said and I'd noticed I had noticed this child whilst I was doing the ob- observation that there were a, a number of things that the child did which which kind of made him noticeable let's say so I asked the teacher a, a, about this particular child afterwards and said, you know, what? Why was the child taken out? And she said, oh, on a Tuesday, the occupational therapist comes to work with with him. So I said, all oh, right. And what what does that person do? She said, I've no idea. I don't even know what what an occupational therapist is. And it, <laughs> and so there was obviously a bit of a, an issue there with the communication. But again, it's about not assuming that our NQTs would necessarily know what an OT does or what. A physio does or what why the EP is there to do an assessment on the child I think that is that working with other professionals is an interesting one so previously when I've done podcasts with speech and language therapists is speech and language therapists coming in once a week or once a fortnight to work on a child on their own is kind of not useless but it's not very effective you actually want the teacher and the parents to know what was worked on and to be able to give opportunities for that to be used in the classroom and at home. If that's not happening, it's going to make the work that's happening less effective. Absolutely. And it's a similar kind of thing when we think about interventions. So where, for example, a teaching assistant might be withdrawing a child from a class to, to, to deliver an intervention. And again, I've, you know, situations where teachers have not necessarily always known exactly what it is that the TA is doing with the child when they've been withdrawn and that that link isn't being made back with the teacher or with the parent. And if the teacher doesn't know, then they, as you say, they can't then build that into what they are doing as part of, of high quality teaching. No, and I think it is it is that given those opportunities. So if they're doing something in that intervention and when they come back, if you can find a way to put that opportunity in, it's going to help that child see how to use that within the context of their lessons, and and that you know that 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 sort of brings us onto the, the that the wider challenge sometimes that NQTs face around the effective deployment of teaching assistants. So if they have additional adults supporting at any point in time in, in their class, 
you know, it, it's it's actually quite a skill to effectively deploy another adult. And and one of the challenges that you know the NQTs will often say is that if they if they have a um, teaching assistant working with them who is perhaps quite a bit older than they are and is, is very experienced in terms of their role, sometimes it can feel a little bit daunting to actually, you know, effectively be managing that person and to be saying to this person, well, this is what I would like you to do and these are the reasons why. And so, again, providing NQTs with support on how to effectively manage and deploy additional adults can be something that perhaps the Senko or the, the mentor can support with where that's appropriate. I suppose when you think of a teaching assistant, especially lower down the school, like a year one, you're going to have a teaching assistant in that class. And that teaching assistant might have been the year one teaching assistant for a few years. So generally, based on what the previous teacher's done, knows yes. their role. Yeah. They might come in at the start of term and go, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to get on. And you might be NQT going, yeah, okay. But then you also might have a teaching assistant working yes. with a child. So that 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 TA knows what they are doing with that child and how they respond to what you do, but again, that teacher needs to understand that relationship, mm. where the support is. There's again, it's more bigger web of information. Yeah, and that can be a, particularly be a challenge in secondary schools because if if you're an NQT in a secondary school and say say you're a geography teacher and once a week you happen to have a student in one of your classes who has got significant needs, has an EHCP and has additional adult support. You know, you see that child once a week, you see that teaching assistant once a week. Quite often it, it can be a case of, you know, that the, you, you almost just think, oh, shall I just, I'll just leave the teaching assistant to get up, get on with it because they know what they're doing. And, and obviously there's the challenge around time and having the time to have a conversation with that person as well. So it, you know, even where it's it's a quite small amount of time, it can sometimes it can be even more challenging to to develop that relationship and get to a, a situation where, as an NQT, you feel confident enough to be giving that direction to an additional adult in your class. I think a big challenge at secondary school is when you are an NQT and you are seeing so many students. You may talk about different children, but how do you tie those children you've just talked about to the children walking mm. in your door yeah. each lesson? And if you've got over the course of a week, if, you, if you're if you coming across 60 students, all of whom have got SEN, all of whom have got individual plans with different strategies, to be able to really <laughs> realistically implement all of those strategies for all of those students is really, really hard, really hard. That's where sometimes it can be useful for, you know, even though it's important to 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 personalize strategies to children and to really understand children as individuals you know sometimes especially for nqts it can be useful to have a bit of a bank of general strategies that they can that, that they can deploy so for example you know if the if the school provides training around these are some of the strategies that will that might generally support children who have dyslexia for example because again, you know, even though it's not quite at the level of personalization that we want, at least it's a starting point and it, it can be helpful for a lot of children. It helps you sort of realize where a rough area where the difficulties yeah. might be. And I think Nathan did some mini guides, I think, on different areas of need, didn't they? Yes, they did. There's a there is a, one on specific learning difficulties. There's one on 
reading, literacy and reading in, in secondary schools. And then there's a couple of um, other ones. I think there's one on mental health and one on acquired brain injury. Quite useful if you, you know, if you do happen to have children with those specific areas of need, for, for example. The other thing which is, is really worth NQTs having a look at are the new, the new videos that Whole School Send have produced. These are these are all available on the on the Send Gateway. So there's a it's a suite of twelve videos that provide an introduction on some of the common areas of Send. So ADHD, ABI, autism, Down syndrome, specific learning difficulties, physical difficulties, SEMH, and speech language and communication needs. And they're all very just a sort of short videos that provide a little bit of back, background information around the, the, that particular area of need and then provide some examples of strategies that, that teachers can use. I mean, to, to be honest, they're, they're really useful videos for any teacher, I think, but they've specifically been targeted um, at NQTs. So it's really worth teachers having a look at those. It's also worth, obviously, going through the uh, SENCAST back catalogue. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And just the thing going back to acronyms, I've tried to keep this in my head the whole time, is sometimes pe- we reuse yeah. acronyms. So yeah. BAT, multi-academy trust, or multi-agency team. Yeah. <laughs> SLT, yeah. language therapist, senior leadership team. And sometimes it's very clear when you know what you're saying when you say it will get the SLT involved. You're talking about senior leadership team, or is that the speech? So generally, they put an A in there now, which makes life a lot clearer. It, it does, yeah. But I think it's a really good point to raise, actually, because we do, we do we do use uh, reuse and overuse acronyms, I think, as well. And I'm I'm a, one of the I'm very guilty of doing it. I know I am, but <laughs> Carrie and David Grant have done an introduction to um, parent talks, and in there, one of the things they say to if you're a parent who's new to the world of SEND, get ready for the acronyms. <laughs> yeah. Because they're going to come flying at you very fast. They are. <laughs> there's actually, actually, there's a useful, just going back to resources, there's a, there's a useful list of acronyms on, on the SEND gateway that Nathan have produced. So, yeah, again, that's something else that's worth having a look at. So I think we've covered, we've got a lot of stuff, right? We have, yeah. Haven't we? Anything we've missed? Any top tips? Top tips. Okay. So I would say, well, one top tip is to have a look at my book, The Teacher's Guide to SEND, which actually has a lot of top tips within it. So it's it's a book that I wrote for all teachers, but some of the feedback that I've had from NQTs has said that they found it particularly useful. So within the first part of the book, I go through things like some of the key legislation and what the Assess, Plan, Do, Review process means and what an EHCP is. And then in the second section of the book, I look at at some of the different areas of need across the four broad areas of need in the code of practice and give some examples of strategies and also resources that teachers can use to help to support children that have that that those particular areas of need so um that would be a top tip to to have a look at have a look at my book i suppose my second tip which again just to reinforce something i said earlier was to is to focus on the high quality teaching you know because if you get that right then you're going to be you're going to be well on the way to you know to to meeting the needs of of a lot of pupils i know that's easy to say <laughs> and not always easy to do but you know that 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 that's where the priority is 
another top tip just in terms of other resources perhaps to, to have a look at and thinking about kind of CPD opportunities there is um again on the on the send gateway and on the nascent website the focus on send training which nason developed and that's a series of free training modules for teachers focused around the assess plan do review process and again you know aimed at all teachers but but very very useful for for nqts the top tip uh, i recommend which is here goes for everyone is surround yourself with like-minded people so uh it's always that challenge. So if, if you're if you've got a passion about something and you find someone else has a similar passion, you'll bounce ideas off. So there's a lot of people on lots of groups on Facebook, lots of ways that you can actually find other people in a similar place to you, go on a similar journey so you don't feel yeah. alone and get lots of support from them. Yeah. And also I would say Twitter as well. I think Twitter can be if you use it, if you use it in the right way. And you don't let it take over your life. Twitter can be really, re- really valuable for just picking up ideas, you know, picking up ex- ideas, examples of strategies, you know, tips, resources. So, yeah, as I say, providing you don't let it rule your life, which it can do quite easily because there's so much on there that's really interesting. And yeah, it could be, yeah, it can be a useful resource. I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, but I do love finding it when stuff's going on, especially with COVID-19 and getting the feel and seeing what school's doing. It's a great way to just graze information. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, actually, to graze information. Yeah. If, you know, for, for people that are, as, as we all are in this profession, really busy, when you perhaps don't have time to search for lots of information or read lots of things to find, you know, to find out the latest news, Twitter can be really helpful for just, giving you that snippet of summary of of, of what's going on. And sometimes, because I always find education, bad news travels much faster than good news. So sometimes it's going on Twitter and it's, fi- it's finding a key people you want to follow. So you can find some key people you follow and then you can sit there and just see how they are responding yeah. to news. So that's always an interesting is, and there's so much. So um, people like Lorraine, Jane, various other people is, so Lorraine, something will happen. And often Lorraine will write her interpretation of it and what yeah. it really means. So you don't have to read the horrible big government. No. <laughs> you can read an easier to read version. And then you might then go, oh, where's that? Well, that's that. And then you might go read certain sections of the document rather yeah. than the whole thing and get bamboozled. So, yeah, that's my one is surround yourself with like-minded people. And, yeah, I think social media is a good one. I'm a, I'm, I prefer Facebook. I, I like this. It's more conversationable. It's more conversations. There's groups. But I think Twitter, I find, is much more interesting for just seeing how different... Because on Facebook, you'll surround yourself with bubbles. <laughs> bubbles are the favourite word of everything at the moment. But generally, you'll surround yourself with people who feel the same as you. Whereas when you go on Twitter, you're opening yourself up to anyone's input. True. So you might read what one person says and go, I agree with that. And then someone else just rips them apart. And you're then going, "Yeah, have you done that? And you read it. And you may have missed something. You may have misinterpreted something. Yeah, say, or it, it could cha- in some cases it could challenge your thinking, which is sometimes can be a good thing. But yeah, as I say, it's about using it in the right way. Yeah, Use it responsibly. <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show today, Natalie. Pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me. So um, all the stuff we've mentioned is going to go in the show notes, and they're also they'll be on the website. So you can find all the show notes on the website www.sencast.com. Also the sencast.com. 
Thank you for listening to the show. Please let us know what you think. I normally ask you to subscribe, but please leave us a reply on iTunes or put a comment on our website. So find the episode, put a comment in, or send a message on tweet using the hashtag Sendcast. Or drop me an email. Send an email to dale at thesendcast.com. You can find us on all the usual social media channels. On Twitter, we are at the Sendcast. On Facebook, the Sendcast. On Instagram, the Sendcast. And in LinkedIn, just search for the Sendcast. And one day, I might say those in a different order. If you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics, or anything else, please send an email to hello at the Sendcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, as always, I'm going to mention the Virtual Send Conference because I think it is brilliant. And also our new parent talks. I always mention these at the beginning. They're a great way to get support and advice around SEND. Both events are run by us here at B-Square, but they're not about what we do. It's like this podcast. It's about supporting SEND for everyone. The talks are pre-recorded videos, so you can access them across the internet when it suits you. Our school events can be accessed by the whole school, not just the Senko. So NQTs coming in have a library of videos which they can access when it suits them. It's a great way of getting support for NQTs. You can buy tickets for future events or past events. The videos are always available. The cost for schools conferences is £60, and I said the whole school, not per person. And as a listener to the Sendcast, we're going for your discount of 10% just by using the code SENDCAST10. And you can find out about events for schools by going to www.virtualsendconference.com. And if you're a parent interested in parent talks, it only costs £10 for each series and you get 12 videos aimed at supporting parents and carers at different stages, different areas and schools. You can also buy access to parent talks in the same way because it's a great way for you to get that engagement with parents to invite parents in and watch the videos with them. It's a great way when you're allowed to after COVID-19 to get into boost that engagement with parents. And if you are interested in parent talks, for more information, go to www.virtualsendconference.com forward slash parents. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.